All podcasts produced by Beer Metal Media have been and aim to remain zero-profit shows. I do not own the rights to the music or any clips that are played throughout the episodes. This show is used as a platform to showcase and give commentary on the craft beer, music, and movies that I feature. After you listen to this show, I hope that you will support everything that I talk about by buying products from them. In the end, you will have more knowledge of the bands, songs, albums, movies, and of course the beer and the breweries. Enjoy the show. Saints and Sinners, and welcome to another exciting episode of It Came From The Cellar, a mini podcast brought to you by Beer Metal Media, home of the Beer Metal Show podcast as well. I am your host, Aaron, the Beer Metal Dude. For many years, I have purchased, traded, been gifted, you know, bottles and cans of craft beer that have been aging here at the Beer Metal Media House for several years because I really hate to drink at home alone and I rarely have people over. So instead of drinking these beers, um, I usually just go out so I can be social among my uh, fellow craft beer drinkers and metalheads. Um, so that's why I started this fun little podcast here so I can finally you know, have a chance and a reason to dive into the cellar and drink these beers and, you know, dissect the flavors for you all. And of course, you know, what I do on the show is that I pair each beer with an awesome metal connection song. And here on It Came From The Cellar, I also throw in a random horror movie review as well. That way it completes the three things I love the most, craft beer, metal, and fucking horror movies. All right, so let's go ahead and get this mini episode started. The beer I will be drinking today is called Wrecking Ball Imperial Stout by No Lie Brewhouse uh, from Spokane, Washington. This particular bottle is from 2013. Yes, this beer is 10 years old. Uh, when I posted uh, about that the other day that I was going to be drinking this beer, a friend of mine left a comment like, 10 years, man, beers don't even last 10 minutes in my house. But like I said, I just don't drink here at home, you know, but... I'm glad I do this podcast now, so here we go. Uh, I really do hope that this beer uh, held up over all this time. You know, it's moved a couple of times, but, you know, I usually keep my beers in really good condition when when they're here at the house. All right, so we'll find out in a little while, see if uh, this beer really held up. When I picked this bottle up for this episode, I actually could not remember where I got this bottle from since it's been so long. But, uh, you know, I did a little snooping around and saw something that might be a clue to this mystery. 
Back in 2014, I had checked into a beer on Untapped by No Lie Brewhouse. It was their Spin Cycle Red, which is their ESB or Extra Special Bitter. Now, luckily, I added a location to this check-in, and I was enjoying this beer at the Meddlesome Moth, a kick-ass gastropub that is located up in Dallas, Texas. So it's safe for me to say that my good guess here is that No Lie had distribution in that area of Texas before, and that I purchased the bottle of Wrecking Ball Imperial Stout at a store up there when I visited way back then. Maybe it was uh, Lone Star Beverages, uh, since that store was uh, one that I frequented quite a bit, you know, when I would travel up there and buy a lot of uh, beer from them. Uh, But who really knows? Anyway, so this is all just a guess at this point. Uh, My check-in was May 1st of that year, and really no fucking telling why I was up there during that time. Usually I would travel up there for the Texas Frightmare Festival, but, you know, that could be the reason. I don't know. Okay, so, No Lie Brewhouse. According to the results in searching for info about this brewery, because I had to look it up, uh, I did see that the brewery was established in 2012, but actually upon further investigating, I did actually see that the history of this brewery goes back a bit further. Uh, According to the info on Wikipedia, yes, I had to use Wikipedia to get the info because once again, the actual website for No Lie does not contain any of this righteous info. Anyway, brewmaster Mark Irvin actually began Northern Lights Brewery in Airway Heights, Washington back in 1993. He moved the brewery to Spokane in uh, 2002. A fan of the beers produced by Irvin, John Bryant, offered a partnership in 2011. Now, Bryant was no stranger to the craft beer scene as he was once the vice president of sales and marketing of Deschutes Brewery and chief operating officer of Odell Brewing Company. In April 2012, the brewery was officially changed to No Lie Brewhouse. See, that wasn't so hard. You know, all that info I just read, put that on the No Lie Brewhouse website. You know, I really wish that breweries would put info like that up on their websites instead of just like a little mission statement or some kind of vague info. You know, when you click on their about page, what you put on there is not your about page. What I just read, that's about. You know what I mean? I I just don't understand. It's like band bios. You know, when you click on the biography of a band, And all it talks about is what's going on currently. It's like, no, dudes, you guys started like a fucking million years ago. Like, I want to know everything that happened, you know, instead of having to look it up on several websites, read interviews and do other research. I mean, damn, just put it out there. I I don't know. That's just me, though. You know, I I just really want to know all the dirt and all the key points. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I'm sure there's reasons uh, because I do see this a lot with the breweries, especially breweries. Uh, They don't really put a whole lot of the info and I get it. It's a business. You know, maybe they don't want some of that stuff out there, but there's people like me that I'm just a sucker for information. This will be my third beer by No Lie. Besides the ESB I mentioned earlier, I also saw that I checked into their Jetstar Imperial IPA back in 2014. Wrecking Ball is at 9.5% ABV, and back in 2013, this beer was packaged in a 22-ounce bomber bottle. A rare find these days, it seems. In fact, looking at Untapped and the brewery website, they have moved to 12-ounce cans for this beer nowadays. Here is what No Lie has to say about this beer. 
we set out to brew a complex, tasty monster of a stout that perfectly captures our no-boundaries approach. Wrecking Ball swings heavy with five types of dark roasted malts for delicious coffee, chocolate, and brown sugar notes. Two large hop additions bring that substantial maltiness back in check, delivering a big, beautifully balanced beast of a beer. Well, after being aged for 10 years, let's see if I can get all those flavors as promised. The label is uh, silk screened or screen printed right onto the bottle. The label is in like blocks of orange and white. The top orange block just has the words Wrecking Ball Imperial in a very simple looking font. Two white blocks are underneath that, one having the words Imperial Stout and the other has the ABV and bottle size. All written in that same simple font. The bottom larger orange block has a clip art drawing of some office buildings and a large crane with a wrecking ball. And that's it. Very simple, straight to the point here. All right, so let's get to the beer. Okay, well, the appearance of this one, it's a very, very dark brown. You can definitely tell it's not a, a black beer. It's just very dark brown, has a kind of a slight reddish hue to it, but, you know, just it's mostly dark. And it is topped with a small, foamy, tan-colored head. Very nice. All right, let's get to the aroma. Okay, I'm getting a nice bitter chocolate up front. I am getting like a sweet brown sugar, uh, some caramel. And to me, it's like a, a cup of hot coffee, you know? Definitely picking up on all those flavors. Or, you know, in the aroma, excuse me. Um, let's see, I'm also getting some earthiness. Dark roasted malts give it a bit of a dark bread aroma, kind of like pumpernickel bread. So, yeah, definitely getting all what's promised in the uh, nose. So, can't wait to get to the taste of this beer. Cheers, motherfuckers. Oh, my God. This beer is drinking excellent right now. Fuck. The sweet brown sugar and bitter chocolate really hit me first. Quickly followed by the caramel. The earthiness. And then, of course, that dark bread. Again, similar to like pumpernickel. Uh, what I love about this beer as I'm sipping it is that lingering black coffee taste at the end of each sip. So it's like chocolate, uh, brown sugar, caramel, earthiness, bread, coffee. Man, this is awesome. I'm really, really enjoying this uh, Imperial Stout right now. And, uh, you know, the body of it, it's kind of like a medium thickness. But I was really expecting this one to be really heavy, you know, but it wasn't. Very slick and uh, oily mouthfeel, leaving kind of like a mouth coating slickness uh, on the finish here. You know, I can still feel it. Not too much carbonation, but it is still there. Just not a whole lot. But what I really, really enjoy about this beer is it is 9.5% and it does not drink like it. Now, maybe at one point it did, you know, when it was real hot and real um, early on as soon as the beer is brewed. But right now, 10 years old, definitely does not feel that way. But you can definitely tell there's some age on this beer. You know, there's a certain aroma and a certain taste that you get from an aged stout. Um, let's see, how do I explain it? You know, like if you ever go to like bottle share and, you know, you have, you know, tons of stouts, you'll know what I mean. Um, it's kind of like a muted 
taste overall. So like all these flavors are there and all the aromas are there, but you kind of get this like mask, uh, you know, covering it and it's really drinkable, really approachable. This is an excellent beer and you know, for a 10 year old beer, man, I mean, this one just fucking held up perfectly. In my opinion, I, I was very scared that it might've gone bad over all this time. But like I said, I do keep my beers in really good condition here at the house. Uh, so luckily that was not the case. Now, after reading the words about this beer from the brewery, like I said, I was pleasantly met with all of those flavors that they promised on this one. I am sure drinking this beer fresh would have been an awesome treat, but I really don't think they're around Texas anymore, but I may be wrong. So for you listeners, you might be able to find this beer if you're in the area of Spokane, Washington or in their distribution range, but I'm not sure if they're here in San Antonio. Um, Maybe in Dallas. I don't know. I haven't been up there in a while. I uh, might just be looking past them when I'm at the beer store. I don't know. I'll have to keep my eyes open. Anyway, I'm going to give this beer a score of 4.75 out of 5. For a beer to taste this good after 10 fucking years, you know that they make excellent products. Cheers to no lie.
Hell fucking yeah, some fucking thrash metal for you right there. That was Gamma Bomb with their song Wrecking Ball. This is the second time I have featured this Ireland-based thrash metal band as a metal connection here on the podcast. They are actually on my list of bands to be featured on an upcoming episode of the Beer Metal Show, but damn it if there isn't a time like this that a song would be this perfect as a metal connection since it shares the exact same name as the beer. I mean, it was like, oh, no question about it that that's the song I'm going to use. This song is found on the band's fourth studio full-length album, The Terror Tapes, released in 2013 by AFM Records. Hey, same year the beer was made, so even more of a perfect fucking fit. I didn't even snap to that until I'm reading my notes right now. Holy shit, that's awesome. Now, besides the name being a perfect pairing, the lyrics also to this song really fit uh, with what's going on here. It's pretty much about getting fucked up. Here's a little part of the lyrics to, so you can see what I mean. Here's something for you all. Don't fear your beer. Just get involved. If you're proud to be inebriate, it's coming straight into your face like a wrecking ball. Fucking perfect, right? Gamma Bomb is led by original members Joe Mc, McGigan on bass vocals and Philly Byrne on lead vocals. I hope I said their names right. Joining these two maniacs on this recording were drummer Paul Caffrey, who was with the band since 2005, lead guitarist Domo Dixon, who also joined the group in 2005, and rhythm guitarist John Roche, who joined in 2012. So this is his first album with the band. The Terror Tapes was recorded at Sun Studios, Electra Studios, Torture Mill of the Raped Virgins, and Grindstone Studios, uh, and with additional guitars engineered at Domo's Shower. I'm going to go ahead and assume that some of those are home studios for the band members, just judging by the names alone. The album was produced by Scott Big Soup Atkins who has produced, mixed, mastered, or engineered albums by Amonimarth, Behemoth, Benediction, Cradle of Filth, Onslaught, Vader, and a whole lot more. The album cover is awesome and drawn by Graham Humphreys, who is an illustrator known for doing film poster art. He worked with Hammer Studios and did posters for Nightmare on Elm Street, Basket Case, The Evil Dead, and Evil Dead 2. He also has worked with Napalm Death doing designs and layouts for some of their albums. For a thrash metal album cover, it wouldn't be complete if it wasn't done in an overall neon toxic green color. It features a studio reel-to-reel that is like opening up like it like a portal and sucking the studio guy within it as he's pretty much screaming for his life. It's a very comic book or should I say horror movie poster like. It's pretty awesome. I am a fan of the artwork, I'm a fan of the song we just heard, and the rest of the songs in this album, and pretty much everything released by Gamma Bomb. I really like this band. They're fucking amazing. One sound down here, and I'll kill the both of you. Nothing in my life has been right since the summer of 1958. Time when even the guilty displayed a rare innocence. See anything? Not even a goddamn elbow. Hold it. 
Hold it. Wait, wait, wait. He wants to sleep over there again. What, next door? I'm Meg. I'm David. There are two young girls living at the Chandler's now. So? I hear you better. Oh, your cousin. Yeah, down by the rock. Cute, too, ain't she? What's that? They were in an accident. Both parents died, too. Mom says he must have died instantly. He stopped by to get this to David. She's something, isn't she? Mrs. Chandler must love having her around. Tent worms. I'll do this one, and you can do the rest, okay? I don't want to. David? Hey, Meg, how's it going? I haven't eaten in almost two days. It hates me. But I'll do. I don't care what you do anymore, bitch! Your sister is a goddamn bitch! Nothing I ever do is right. Doesn't sound like the roof I know. Leave me alone, goddamn you! Not so fun when it's your precious sister getting slapped around. Teach you to pick on people your own size. You brought a cop here. After my mother! Best policy, mind your own business. That's how you stay out of trouble. So you think any more about it? About what? Getting Meg into the game? We got our own game now. You want to think about one thing, girl. Well, two things, actually. First. It could be your little sister hanging here instead of you. And second, I know some of the bad things you've done, and I'm kind of interested to hear them, so maybe this confessing isn't such a kid's game after all. I can hear it from the one of you, or I can hear it from the other. You just think about that. <laughs> no! All right, Fright Feature Report time. I was having an online conversation once with a friend of mine, and uh, he had mentioned to me that I should check out this movie called The Girl Next Door. And I knew he meant the horror movie, but I was being funny, and I told him that I've seen it. And I was describing the 2004 comedy starring uh, Emile Hirsch as the nerdy main character and uh, Alicia Cutberth as the former porn star who moved in next door to the nerdy boy. Really funny movie if you haven't seen that one. But anyway, that's besides the point. This 2007 film by the same name is a sick, twisted, fucked up movie which follows the unspeakable torture and abuse committed on a teenage girl in the care of her aunt and the boys who witness and fail to report the crime. It is based on the 1989 novel written by author Jack Ketchum. Now, his book is loosely based on the true story of Sylvia Likens, a teenage girl who was beaten, starved, and taunted by her former neighborhood friends and by her caregiver. Sylvia died from all the trauma, and the case was brought to trial, raising awareness of child abuse and bullying. This movie is pretty graphic, but not too graphic, uh, especially with some of the torture done to the main teenage girl, and her name was Meg Laughlin, played by Blythe uh, Offarth. I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, the movie starts off following an older man, the narrator of the movie, played by actor William Atherton. Of course, we all know him from Ghostbusters, Die Hard, and Real Genius. He is one of the boys who was there during the torturing of this poor girl. As a young boy, David Moran, that's the boy's name, he's played by actor Daniel Monch, uh, friended and had feelings for the girl Meg. Okay, 
So the story goes that Meg and her younger sister, Susan, played by Madeline Taylor, were sent to live with their aunt and cousins after their parents' sudden death. The cousins, who are named Willie, Donnie, and Ralph, are all young teenage boys, and the aunt, uh, Ruth Chandler, played horrifically awesome, by the way, by Blanche Baker, the drunk sister getting married in the movie Sixteen Candles. Yeah, her. Uh, Anyway, the aunt gained trust and friendship in the neighborhood boys. She allowed them to come over to the house constantly and have beer, smoke cigarettes, rough play, cuss, talk about sex and other dirty things. And, you know, all the good stuff that teenage boys would like to do without their parents knowing. Kind of seemed fairly normal, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, this was set in the uh, 1950s. Things were different back then. Now, everything got dark really fast as Ruth is an alcoholic and her mental state seemed to be mm, kind of deteriorating, you know, over time of the movie. And uh, she is one wacky fucking lady, man. Ruth begins to verbally abuse the two girls, Meg the worst. She then allows the boys to abuse Meg. They tie her up leaving her bound and gagged while being stripped, humiliated, and tortured by being burned and beaten. It seems the boys rather enjoyed doing this, to be honest with you, as, you know, they pretty much had permission from an adult, you know, their friend, Ruth. And this all lasts over the course of like a few months. And there's some seriously fucked up shit that happens in the uh, chunk of this movie. Ruth allows one of her sons to actually rape Meg. Remember, that's her cousin. What the fuck, right? Fucking sick. The even more twisted part is that the younger cousin wants to have a turn at her. But Ruth, the aunt, or mother to these boys, refuses to let him partake and actually says it is considered incest for you to do it after your brother already did. Like, seriously, what the fuck? (laughs) Now, I won't go into details here about the extreme torture, but I will say it involves a blowtorch and what lies in between Meg's legs. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'll let you figure it out. Uh, Our one good kid, Dave, tries to save her a few times by attempting to tell his parents and local police, but the aunt and the boys always seem to get away with it by lying to the officers. I don't really want to call it a happy ending on this movie, but we do once again follow David as an adult as he's pretty much reflecting on the past and it still haunts him as an adult of the shit he went through and shit he saw when he was uh, younger. Okay, so I was actually blown away by this movie. I pretty much had the same feeling with the movie version of American Psycho. You know, I know that the book was really graphic and of course they can't get into too much detail in the movie because that would be way too fucked up. Same thing with this. Uh, The book more than likely has the scenes pretty much described out. And of course we don't actually see a lot of uh, the extreme torture, like I said, but uh, yeah, pretty much that same fucking feeling and thoughts were running through my head, you know? And, And it just really freaks me out how they could take a book that is filled with such graphic savagery and and put it to film without actually showing that extremity of the, you know, the derangement of the antagonist in these films, man. What makes this one more fucked up is that it's loosely based on that real life case. 
Wow. Director Gregory Wilson really did a great job on this movie. Besides this movie, he has only directed a movie called Home Invaders from 2001 and a TV movie, uh, Ghoul, from 2012. I'm going to give this a 5 out of 5 bloody dismembered body parts uh, as my rating. I am sure some of you out there will find this movie hard to watch, but for those into sick and twisted shit, this one is definitely for you. More than likely, my metalhead listeners will get it, but some of you craft beer listeners might think I'm a deranged lunatic for loving this movie, but whatever, I don't give a fuck. It is uh, streaming on Amazon Prime, and I saw that it is also available on Tubi as well. Stream it if you would like. All right, beer geeks, metal freaks, and horror whores, episode 17 is all wrapped up. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to my loyal followers, and I also welcome all you new listeners to my show. I hope you enjoyed. No Lie Brew House is still fully operational, so please visit their brewery in Spokane, Washington. Or if you are within their distribution range, please pick up some of their tasty beverages. They will definitely appreciate your support. Let them know you heard them here on It Came From The Cellar or the Beer Metal Podcast, whichever you say. Gamma Bomb. The awesome thrash metal band that I featured as today's Metal Connection is also still an active band. Visit their site, order some music and merchandise, give them full fucking support. They're awesome. They do have a Bandcamp page and are on all the popular social media sites as well. They have a new full-length album entitled Bats coming out in the next few weeks on Prosthetic Records. I'm sure by the time some of you are listening to this show right now, the album will already be available. So look that up. Catch them on tour if they come through. I'm sure they put on a killer performance. I've never seen them live. Lastly, check out the 2007 movie, The Girl Next Door. Now be careful when you search that title, as there are a few movies by that same name. And I do believe you may also pull up some adult content in that search, you know, if you put in The Girl Next Door. Remember, this is one fucked up movie, though. And you have to have a real strong stomach to watch it. I am not a psycho, even though I do really enjoy this movie. To each their own. Okay. So, peace and love. Okay, everybody? Live, laugh, love, or whatever this new generation believes in nowadays. All right, my website is beermetal.net. Visit now and follow all of my social media pages. Give me a like, a follow, a thumbs up, a middle finger, or whatever you prefer. Leave me a comment or a review, please. I, I definitely want to hear from all of you. As I say on all my shows, remember that I spend money, not make money, to do this podcast, you know? I do this just out of pure enjoyment to educate and to entertain you all. Thank you once again for listening in. Until next time.